Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Kimmy Scotty. Kimmy is the co-founder and CEO of skincare company Fig One and founding partner at venture capital fund 8VC. As an investor, serial entrepreneur, and mother of twin boys, Kimmy's endeavors are multifaceted. As a founding partner at 8VC, a technology and life sciences investment firm, Kimmy invests in category-disrupting brands at the intersection of healthcare and consumer. She has invested in category-defining companies including Blink Health, Maven, Ula, Hill House Home, Seed, and Clutter. Guided by her deep obsession with the beauty market, Kimmy co-founded Fig One in 2021 with a board-certified Harvard dermatologist to create a science-backed, sustainably-driven skincare line. Under Kimmy's leadership, Fig One grew its footprint beyond direct-to-consumer to over 3,000 retail spa and dermatologist locations, along with category expansion into performance body care in 2023. Kimmy's start as an entrepreneur came at the age of 15 when she landed her personal jewelry line at Bloomingdale's and a feature on Project Runway which is my favorite show. It's so good. After graduating from the Fashion Institute of Technology, she served as the executive director of business development and operations at a New York family office, where she incubated and invested in many businesses, including a multi-billion dollar healthcare platform that helped over 10 million individuals access affordable prescriptions. In addition to her current work with 8BC and Fig One, Kimmy currently serves on the board of directors for Jubilong, the board of directors for Breakout Foundation, and on the senior advisory committee to Cornell Tech at Cornell University. She is an active supporter of various charitable initiatives, including women's reproductive rights, maternal health, and anti-Semitism. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome Kimmy. Hey. I am so excited to chat. Likewise, likewise. I love that those last three, women's reproductive rights, maternal health, and anti-Semitism. I'm like, if you like gun to my head, had to have me pick my three, I think those might be my three. Extremely important issues. And I'm glad you're shedding a light on them with all the charitable work you're doing too, which in addition to everything else. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think like a lot of women, and I don't know how you felt when I woke up sort of in the days after Dobbs, I was just like mad as hell. Yeah. And I was like, I got to focus on on this what did i do to really stop this from happening nothing yeah. not enough and so i sort of narrowed my focus on what causes i was going to spend time on and these this is what came sort of up for me i love that have you heard of vcs for repro yeah. heard of that organization like christiana was really yeah. involved mm-hmm. she was a past guest of ours and they're doing really cool work there and you know i think a lot of these issues people care about but they're not always being so forward and spending their time focusing on Before we dive into everything, I'd love to know for 20-somethings especially who are managing relationships and jobs and having no money, do you have any advice on like how to be an activist or how to support charitable causes you care about when 
you're not at that stage of career where you maybe feel like you have more time or more money to devote. Like, I don't know if you have any advice on that front, but a lot of those issues you mentioned, I care about. And I'm also asking like a personal question. Like, I don't think I spend enough time actually doing those things and supporting those causes. So any advice on that front? Yeah, I actually, it's something I've actually given a lot of thought about because when I was in my twenties, I spent a lot of time building an organization on the board and on the board of an organization called the pink agenda. That's in the breast cancer mm-hmm. space. Yeah. And it was a, we were a group of 20 somethings building that organization. It's still around today. It still raises money for breast cancer research and direct care today um, as part of BCRF actually now. And when I was doing that, I actually used the platform of building the not-for-profit to develop some skills that were going to be important and have become important to my for-profit work and so to my real career. And I think something that 20-somethings can do is think of something that you really want to develop on the career front, whether it's like, oh, you're a marketing person, but you want to, you need to develop some like stronger spreadsheet skills or finance skills, and then volunteer to help with that in a cause that's important to you. So you're sort of double spending the time, you're learning and developing a new Mm -hmm. skill, and you're investing time and giving back in a way that's, you know, important to you and impactful in a space that you want to affect. And so I think if you can do those things, you're both making sense of the time you're spending and you're leaning into giving back in an area that's relevant and important. I think that's such great advice because you're right. People, especially really ambitious 20-somethings, they need to make sense of their time. So like the idea of like handing out food at a food bank is like, oh, it's so awesome and I should do it, but I'm taking away from other things. So I love that advice though. I think that's really strong. I find too, sometimes even like, I mean, starting a nonprofit is a lot of work, but managing teams and like people management is actually kind of an underrated skill that you can get in the nonprofit world because often it's very volunteer based. I think something else that's important is like, I think we all look for what, like we, you see this thing in my bio and then you're like, oh, what am I doing charity wise? Like, what am I doing to give it back? And there are seasons of life and sometimes you don't necessarily have time to spend hours focused on some like a charitable organization while you're like trying to pay your bills and like live your life and be successful at your new job. And so I do think being the best at whatever it is you're actually working on should be your priority. And then if you find yourself with some free time or you grow your career into having some free time in like a couple of years, which I think is what often happens is you have time a little bit later when you're a bit more senior, then you can dedicate the time. And so I think that's also something that's totally acceptable to like say to yourself, like, okay, I am not in like my giving back season right now. I'm in my earning time that I have to really focus or, you know, and I have this new relationship or I, and I have this new job and all of these things are fresh. And then like reassess in a year, reassess your goals and think, is there time now to get back in a year or two and like dedicate actual hours? And then you can always also look to give back in small ways all the time. And so, you know, whether it's like, I love, uh, like I love Friday because I love Shabbat. And I think it's also like an invitation to be more generous in general. And I really love that idea of like tzedakah and sort of the Jewish idea of giving back. And I think the idea to give things back to like make things even because there are injustices in the world. And I think you can look for small ways to do it in your daily life. And it doesn't have to be like some huge charitable thing that you are working on all the time. That'll come. It'll come later in your career as well. Is that fair? 
That's so clear. Yeah, that's amazing. I think this idea of, you know, you can't have it all, but you're, you can't have it all. We can't have it all at once. Mm-hmm. Maybe now isn't your giving season is really strong. And I think it takes the pressure off of it. And then I love this like small acts thing, you know, like it is really crazy. You can do little, little pay it forward gestures, buying someone's coffee or signing a petition or, you know, there's a lot of little things, you know, your friend is running, one of my friends is running a marathon, you know, like, can I give, you know, 20 bucks, whatever that is. There's other ways, like you said, that it can be in smaller doses. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So before we get into like the meat of your career, we like to start every show with a fun question. You can make it as serious or as light as you want, but what is something new that you've learned in this past week? Oh, that's so fun. Mm-hmm. What is something new that I've learned in the past week? Okay. And whatever comes to mind first is usually the juiciest and best thing, even if it is random. Okay. So this is not like super juicy, but I have I have twin boys who are, they're not yet three. They're two and nine months right now. And they're so fun. And they, because they're excited about new things all the time, then I also get to engage and learn new things, whether it's like a specific type of construction truck or something about space. And so, you know, one of the things that they love and learn a lot about is space. And they're really obsessed with the planets and space. And they also are obsessed with each planet and like their moons and things like that. They're watching videos right now about dwarf planets. And so I've been learning all the dwarf planets this week. And so because of these like songs they listen to, and I think that's been really just like so fun. Oh my God. I love that. And now we know Pluto is a dwarf planet, right? Are you listening to Pluto? And you're like, kids, when I was little, that was not a dwarf planet. This is an update to the song. Correct. And also when I was little, we only knew Saturn had rings. Like when you think of the planets, you think of Saturn as having rings and basically nothing else, but Uranus and Neptune have rings too. I didn't know this. Correct. I think and something's so we, been updated. Yeah. Yes. If you have like a more recent book about the planets, like a children's book or whatever, it will have rings on these sort of outer planets. And that I was like, what are these planets with rings? And it turns out because of our, we have like stronger telescopes, right? We have the James Webb now, we're able to see the rings. And so it's amazing to be able to, to sort of learn these new things and sort of this like update, you know, to my sort of childhood. You know, what's so wild, there really are some of these sectors, industries, whatever you want to call them, or fields of study where we really don't know all the information today. And it's only going to be even crazier for your kids' kids. Oh, and God. I think like space is a really obvious one. Like healthcare, I know that's an area that you're very excited about is another, right? Like neuroscience we don't we've like only learned stuff about the brain in the past like few decades i mean like we don't know anything about the gut it's really crazy to think about how we think we're so smart we think we know everything but actually we're still discovering so much stuff every day and to see it through the eyes of your kids too learning i imagine that's so fun it's so fun and it's also fun when they tell you things like you know they'll say jupiter has 92 moons and they'll just like come out with a fact like that at 2 years old and then my mom's like that's not true and i'm like no it is true <laughs> it does it is yeah and i think it's so i think it's so funny i love it i'm also a twin so i know i'm obsessed with twins i have so many thoughts i think so i'm a twin girl and she is fraternal so are your boys identical or fraternal they're fraternal Okay, I'm so I don't want to offend anyone that's listening, but like being fraternal same sex twins is like 
the greatest gift of all time because they're your best friend. They're your built-in buddy always. Yeah. But you have your own identities. Like you're your own people. And yeah. it is just the best, the biggest blessing in the whole world. And I, my twin's my favorite person ever. So I'm excited for you. I also have like lots of tips too. Because I like, like tips. I think what? my mom did a really good job, but I'm also a little yeah. biased. What's your twin's name? Her name's Danielle. Danielle. I love that. Okay. Also, I feel like this is a fun fact. And I feel like your audience is probably also into manifesting because I feel like the 20 market is like obsessed with manifesting. Yeah. yeah. I too am obsessed with manifesting and I manifested my twins. Yeah. Tell me more. I want to, I'm literally actively manifesting two sets of twins. You'll, you cool, you'll have them then. Yeah. I'll have I, them. Yeah. I wanted twins. I always wanted twins and I would say it all the time. Twins 2020, twins 2020. Like that's the, that's the plan. And it's so funny because my, for some reason, my husband didn't know, even though I was saying it all the time and all my friends knew. And and so he was surprised that we were having twins, but I was not. And so this is so crazy. I have a spreadsheet. I make this spreadsheet every year and the spreadsheet has a tab for sort of every area of my life. It has like an APC tab and like an investing tab. And then every company that I spend time on has their own tab with its goals. And it is a full-blown map of all of my goals. And they can be annual. They can be multi-year goals. Like they could, you know, so there might be a goal that's three years out. And then they map all the way back sometimes to a daily goal. So that's related. Because one of the things that you learn, like you were just talking about your friend running a marathon. If your friend needed to run a marathon in November, she had to have started practicing like eight months ago, right? She had started practicing and running and taking one step and then another. And goals are the same if you, and manifesting is the same. So if you want to achieve something and you're like, I want to buy a house in five years, but you don't save a dollar today, you're never getting there. Like you're going to get to five years and be like, nothing ever good happens for me, right? You're going to think I can't achieve these goals. And actually you have to put these things in practice every day. So I have this goal spreadsheet. Actually, I have my team also fill it out so that our goals are layered together. So then if like, love that. you know, Remy, my chief of staff is like, oh, I'm going running. I'm like, oh, it's on her goals. Like she's got, she's got to go running. You know, it's like, she's going to miss the morning meeting. It's running, you know? And then we're all like aligned to getting the thing done together. And I think it's really important. But twins were on the spreadsheet. It said Q1 2020, start family. Q4 2020, deliver family. And the associated, there's like a vision board associated and there's twins on the board. And I delivered my twins on 12-31-2020 before their due date and under the deadline. Unreal. You just make stuff happen. That's like your thing. You just, I think also like if at some point you ever feel so generous to just share that template with people, because I think a lot of people also, part of this podcast is like talking to folks who have done it, you know? or at least on paper feel like they've done it and how they got there. So what is that? Is it, yeah, is it the vision board? Is it the daily goals? Is it the whatever? I think all of that is essential, you know, and everyone has their own system for it. But to hear that you track it that closely, that you do it with your team, like that's all stuff you can start early. Even if you don't yet have a personal chief of staff, even if you don't yet have a bunch of things, right? Like you can start small one tab today. A hundred percent. And also it's, I've had this spreadsheet and, and worked on my goals this way the whole time. Like it's not, this is not just like a, Oh, like now I'm in this like more senior place in my career, you know, which is debatable by the way. Right. Like it's, you know, you're sort of, you're at the beginning of something. I'm at the beginning of something kind of all the time. Cause I, yeah. you know, I think as an entrepreneur, you start over a lot and right. you know, I'm, in, I'm there, you know, I'm there again. And so I'm always sort of 
shaking the snow globe and starting over and then you're back to baby steps. A hundred percent. Okay. So let's talk about childhood quickly. Yeah. Obviously you're very entrepreneurial. And I think just to double click on this for the people who are listening, like you started a fund, which is being a founder. I, I think a lot of people don't understand that. Like 8VC, when you when you start something, in any way, you're an entrepreneur. So it's not just that you're a VC. Obviously, you started Fig One, and now you've hinted at kind of you're building something new. Have you always been entrepreneurial? What did your parents do? Did you think that you wanted to be like them? Walk me through those early childhood years and like how tapped in you were to that entrepreneurial side. This is, it's a really good question. So I have always been pretty entrepreneurial. I'm very industrious. And so my mom would probably say something like, when you were really young, like you would create the game for other people to play, you know? And so like, I'd set Mm -hmm. up a project, like, you know, those like beads that you use an iron to, you know, to melt. Yeah. you know, I would like set us all up my, you know, my siblings to do that while they were still outside. And then they'd come in and then I'm like, okay, let's do the, we're going to do the project now. And so I'm a creative person and I like to make things. And so I would often, whatever I was making would ultimately play out into a business as part of the play. Like, oh, we're going to make these and then we're going to sell them. (laughs) Yeah. And then my One time, my grandmother told me that when I was like, I must have been like six years old or something like that, I made her a necklace and it was a little short for her and she wanted me to add two inches. So I calculated the cost of the beads and charged her for the two inches. And so, you know, always, always a bit of a, you know, mini capitalist. (laughs) So I would say that my family, I didn't come from like a like family of entrepreneurs or business people actually. And I was growing up, my parents worked really hard. My dad worked nights and my stepdad was a truck driver and then, you know, worked for the union and my mom worked in retail, you know, my whole life. And so I, you know, I definitely created the idea of, of sort of what I am and who I am today. And, you know, I'm kind of here against all odds. You know, I have a lot of addiction in my sort of in my parenting. My, you know, I have a, a dad who actually recently passed away. He was a heroin addict. And sorry. Yeah, no thanks. And I think it's important to kind of share these details because I think it's easy yeah. to look at someone someone like me and kind of believe I just arrived here. And it's not true. Right. And you can get here from anywhere. And if I so if I can you can, right? If I can, your, you know, your 20 something listener can. And I think that's, I think it's really important because we hear a lot of like overnight success stories and they're just not real. Like they're just, you know, they're just not true. And actually I have something that I keep on my desk that I think is kind of fun. Yeah. I, let's see. I have these envelopes and these little envelopes. I just found them. They say things like groceries. And then on the back, it says $200. These were monthly budgeting tool that I had that I used for a long time, these little envelopes. And I used to take my paycheck, take the cash out and put them in, put it in the envelopes. And then I was like, okay, I have to buy groceries. I'd go in the groceries envelope and buy them. And so I think, yeah, I think it's like really important to know where people kind of come from as well. I mean, that's exactly why I also started the podcast, right? Is like having someone like you be like, hey, you probably get interviewed a lot on the successes and there's going to be some big release when you do your next thing and all that. And that's amazing. And you so deserve that. But there's also this like extra layer of like, huh, how did you get there? What's your story? Because it's, it can be very intimidating because we don't talk about the stuff that, you know, maybe isn't as shiny, but is just as important and formative. 
and having those envelopes right there on your desk, right? Like now you, it's motivation for you to keep going. Yeah. And really cool too that, you know, your family comes from humble beginnings. I think that's really special and that you've built this all, you know, on your own. So you were creating things, like you said, you were having these moments of entrepreneurship. I'm obsessed with, with charging grandma. (laughs) That's amazing. And then you decide to go do the fashion route and go to FIT. Tell me like, what was the thought process? Was it just I love clothes, mom does retail, or was it like, I'm going to be the next fashion designer, you're all going to know my name? What was the career thought at that time? Yeah. So when I applied to FIT, I already had a jewelry brand, right? So I was mm. I started my company when I was in high school, and I'm very good with my hands in general. My sister's like this too. We can kind of make anything between the two of us. And we always, you know, so we always say that. But because my business was a jewelry business, I thought, oh, I'll go to school for jewelry design and then I'll be a real designer. It hadn't dawned on me that I was already a real designer because I could (laughs) sell things. I obviously need some piece of paper that says I'm qualified to be this. And so that was really the thought process, probably, you know, not a great thought process, honestly. And then I got to school and I'm like, a metalsmith, you know, while I'm, while I'm at school, I'm like hammering away at a bench and lighting myself on fire. Basically, I have all these little like scars from my hands from soldering and things. And I was like, "Oh, this is the thing I know how to do. I need to learn something I don't know how to do." And so I shifted into the business side of FIT. And so I ultimately was like, "This is probably not what I need to go to school for." I need to go to school for the business side of fashion if this is the area I want to stay building in. And at that time, it's all I really knew, right? I was like, oh, I make things and then I sell them and I better learn how to sell them if I'm going to make them. And so that's that was my thought process. And I ended up in the advertising and marketing communications program and then ultimately in the production management program and had a dual degree. I got an associate's in marketing and then a bachelor's in, in production but fully sort of, when I think of sort of the full experience, it was about how do you make something and how do you sell it? Like, how do you make something in mass and how do you sell it? And that, that was a really good, you know, it's actually a really useful education even today. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I love this idea of like thinking you're going somewhere to just do more of what you love and then realizing, huh, maybe I should be learning the things that I don't already know. You know, and I think a lot of people don't think that way, right? They just go to the thing that they love versus thinking about those gaps in their knowledge set and then going and doing that. Right. And I think it's also something to say about identity. You know, a lot of the time when you're young, people put identities on you. Oh, this is my smart daughter and this is my creative daughter, right? Like this is my smart kid. This is my creative kid. This is my funny kid. Like whatever, you know, parents do it, teachers do it. And I think you can kind of mistakenly go into identity. And so one of the things I think that happens, you know, when you're in your twenties is you start really realizing who you are apart from all of these identities that have been kind of placed on you. And I think it's a really important discovery process to go, who do I actually want to be? What identities do I put on myself when I'm like free of all these people who have known me the whole time? And I think it's, I think it's why college is important, but I think it's why post-college is such a high growth period. And it's also so painful too sometimes, right? You're dealing with like family stuff and career stuff and internal pressures. And now there's social media. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very difficult, but it's such an important time. So after you were FIT, you have this jewelry brand. 
what are you thinking post-grad? Like, are you just going to keep scaling this jewelry brand? From what I, my research as well, like you started blogging, which is really cool. We love someone who's like sharing content, especially before that was cool. You also, I have here, you were executive director of BizDev and Offset Loeb Enterprises. Mm -hmm. So we were just, again, in entrepreneur fashion, just side hustling. We were doing a bunch of things. Like what was the career stuff like happening for you post FIT? And how did you decide what you needed to do? So this is such a question. And I really had no idea. Like this, the question that you're asking me is what I was asking myself. Am I just going to keep my jewelry business? And that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And then I started while I was at FIT, when I was graduating, I was interviewing, I was interviewing at like Chanel and Ferragamo and like big brands, big fashion that I really admired. And I was like, Oh, maybe I do this big over there. Like maybe I become a jewelry designer. Maybe, you know, maybe I work for one of these big brands that I love and admire. And so I started interviewing and I really hated that process. Honestly, I was like, oh, I don't, I like interviewing because I like talking to somebody new about their exciting job and company. But I was also like, they're not going to let me do anything really here, right? I'm the, I'm like the youngest employee here basically. And this seems pretty corporate and like, it's, you know, it has all these layers in it. And I looked at the top of the companies and I thought to myself, everyone at the top of Ferragamo is a Ferragamo. And everybody at the top of Chanel is French. And I was like, they're never going to let me run these companies is what I ultimately felt. Mm. And not that I, not that I was thinking, oh, they have to let me run this company right away. I was just like, what's the career path here really? And I had this sense that, you know, the next thing that I was going to work on was going to be a technology company. And I kept saying it. I was like, I'm going to build a technology company next. Manifesting. Correct. I was saying it and saying it. And then one of my best girlfriends, Marissa Renee Lee, and she actually just, she wrote a book about a year ago called Grief is Love. And she's amazing. And when I, we were talking about the pink agenda, she co-founded the pink agenda also. Like wow. we were, so we spent a lot of time together and actually married and then later divorced her cousin, which is hilarious. Also sidetrack. Oh, um, can we get yeah. a little more there? Like I'll, I'll, we can definitely, okay. we can definitely spend time there. So I think I probably have good relationship advice too. Yeah. So she went to Harvard and she knew a lot of things I didn't know. She knew what family offices were and private equity was and venture capital. And she knew all these things. And at the time I still thought, because they don't teach any of these things at FIT, I thought all like all money, like, you know, to start businesses were like business loans from banks. Like you would go to your bank and you would tell them your idea and they'd give you a loan. Like that's, and that's how it worked. And she kind of opened up this whole area of finance to me that I didn't know existed and introduced me to Loeb Enterprises. And I ended up going there to build stuff basically. And they were looking for like somebody young and entrepreneurial to help on one specific company build works by Nicole Williams. And then I ultimately ended up being on the founding team of a number of other companies and most probably importantly, the healthcare company that you mentioned in my in earlier in my bio. It's unreal. Unreal. And so it sounds like the jewelry line and the blogging, that stuff was more like on the side. The day job was like Loeb Enterprises, but you were still kind of nurturing your creative instincts yeah. on the side. Yeah, I, I did. I blogged on the side for a long time and I wrote, you know, articles about what shoes to pack when you travel to Europe, like, you know, which flats were useful and things like that, or like little guides to favorite cocktails and how to make a Zacapa dark and stormy. And, you know, I had so much fun, you know, really like leaning into just talking about the things I thought were really fun. And, you know, I'm a person that people ask a lot of recommendations of, and it's where I consolidated my recommendations. So, you know, I'm like the kind of person people ask, like, what's the best place to buy 
jeans or like what's the best place to have Italian in uh, downtown New York City or whatever. And people ask me these kinds of things all the time. And so I just consolidated all the recommendations into a blog. I love it. It was like serving your need too. You're like, I need to yeah. streamline this. I need to be Google this. So Google it over here. Yeah. Well, that's also like I always say like the best side hustles start with that. This yeah. podcast was like, I selfishly was like, I want to talk to really awesome people that I admire and ask them how the fuck I'm supposed to get through my 20s. And like, you know, it's things like that where it's like, oh, someone keeps asking you, my cousin, he's an amazing engineer, loves cooking on the side. People always ask him for restaurant recs. So he built like a website so he didn't have to deal with texting people all the time. Love that. Okay, let's do a quick sidebar on the relationship advice because I also would love to hear, obviously, really strong, really ambitious woman, you, and there's a lot of conversations around like, what kind of partner would want to be with that? What kind of partner is a fit? Can you just briefly share the first relationship, whatever you're comfortable sharing, maybe any advice from that? And then what maybe the second relationship? I know you're married with two cute boys. Any advice you have for the audience? Yeah. Okay. So the right question to ask yourself is what kind of relationship is right for me? Not who wants to be with someone like me, an ambitious kind of lunatic, you know, but who makes me my best self and who do I help make their best self, right? And who makes me feel sparkly inside versus like, who can I make feel this for me? And I think that's the difference between dating in your 20s and dating in your 30s or dating in your 20s and, and dating after you sort of learn the hard lesson that if you're sort of doing everything to attract something that's that's out there versus just working on yourself and being yourself and attracting what is exactly like what ends up being exactly right for you. I think you, you're going to learn that lesson a really hard way later, like I did, right? I had a high school boyfriend and then I had a college boyfriend and then I married my college boyfriend and he was so great and he was my best friend, but it was not like, you know, it didn't have that fuzzy romance piece to it. And I found myself really wanting that. And if I had really stopped to think about it, would have realized, but I was so busy building a company when I was getting married that I didn't stop and think about it that hard. And I didn't think, what's this person going to be like as a parent? And is this the kind of love I want that's kind of more friendshipy and familial? And that's that might be right for someone, but it wasn't right for me. I wasn't being like swept off my feet. And I don't think you can be swept off your feet every day, right? What I know now, you know, I'm 38 and married and I have twin boys is that some days and a lot of days are really hard. Like, right, you're in the trenches together and so you need to look side by side and know you're fighting the same fight. Um, so it's not always that you're being swept off your feet. But in my my relationship to my husband now, Adam, who I am sparkly inside for, I can see him when he's getting ready for like our date night. We have date night every Thursday. And I think when you have kids, it's really important to like have a date night and have time for your just your relationship when your husband and wife, not just mom and dad. I can see him getting ready and shaving and being cute for me. And I get dressed up also. And I'm, you know, I try to make myself my best self for him. And I think that's one of the places where I see a real difference in my relationship. So when you're in a relationship or when you're dating someone, notice how you feel and how, and how someone makes you feel not necessarily just like, is this the right person on paper, but like inside what, you know, sort of what's going on for me and do I, you know, is this exactly what I want? And if it's not, one of the things I feel like you also do in your twenties is you try not to have wasted time. And so sometimes you end up in relationships for a long time because you've been in them for a long time. And actually 
you need to really examine why you're staying in a relationship. And then if it's not exactly right for you and it's not what you see for your future, move on. Don't spend good time after bad. It's like throwing good money after bad, right? Sunk cost. Sunk cost fallacy. Exactly. And so you really need to decide and move on. And I think that's really important. You can give yourself a period of time where you're like, you know what? I'm not really sure, but put a time on it for yourself and then decide. It can be really hard to say to yourself, I want to move out of this apartment I share with my boyfriend. And one of the other things I think, and I learned it from my first marriage as well, is that it can be really hard to move on from something that's not bad. Yeah. It's just more neutral. Yes. A lot of relationships aren't bad, right? They're not like, he's not horrible. And and I, you know, my ex-husband is delightful. Is deli- It made it really hard to, to sort of say to myself, this is not what I want. This is not right for me and move on because it was not like he was bad or, you know, or right. not wonderful. He's wonderful. Just not for me. Wonderful. Right. And I think, I think that's the trap of your twenties is you're like, well, it's not, he's great. Everyone loves him. Right. Do I, do I love him too? Even if my parents do, or even if my friends all do. And I think that's really important to examine as like women, especially in our twenties. I love that. I think like you said, those are a lot of the lessons you learn after some heartbreaks and doing it wrong. And the more that you can do it right early, the better. And so much of this stuff is, it's all easier said than done because these things are so complicated. But I love that advice of like figuring out the love that you need, getting so clear on who you are, what your needs are. Yeah. That's everything. And not like trying to shape for someone. Yeah. Do they celebrate my best self? Are they my biggest fan too? Am I their biggest fan? Like that, you know, I think those are really, I think they're really important questions to ask yourself. One other podcast that I love to listen to is Tink's. I love Tink's. She oh, she's says, great. He says so much of this and I'm like, wow, if you were around <laughs> to tell me this when I was, you know, when I was 20, that would have been really helpful. But well, luckily she's a role model for a lot of people too. And like that narrative is out there. I used to feel like, um, and things have changed, but like Alex Cooper at Caller Daddy, I'm not sure if you heard that. Yeah. And like, she's starting to do more of that stuff too now. Like, and I think having these people that are like, oh, and, and Alex, we've seen the evolution. She used to not be. Yeah. She used to make all these dating mistakes. And then now she's in a different place. It's really cool to see that and to see that firsthand and yeah. have those role models. Yes. And also I think just reminding yourself, like nothing is lonelier than being in the wrong relationship with someone, honestly. And so even if you're like married and sleeping next to somebody every day, if you feel like in your fight every day, like in whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you're by yourself, nothing is lonelier than that togetherness, honestly. And so I think a lot of people are afraid of being by themselves or like afraid that if they leave a relationship, they're also going to leave all the friendships around it. And you are, you likely are like, that's like, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it and say like, no, all my best friends are still my best friends. Actually, no, like some friends, some friendships didn't make it right. They found it too hard that I was like causing this riff in our sort of group friendship or whatever, because I made this decision that affected them. And that's okay. Sometimes you outgrow things too. And that's okay too. Yeah. That's, that's the hard part. But the good part of your twenties is like that confidence you slowly get, but it's also painful to shed, right? Yeah. Cause growth means you're outgrowing too. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Thank you for sharing all this. I do just want to touch briefly on, and then I'll ask you our last question. I want to touch briefly on like eight VC. So obviously you're like, you know, building really cool stuff at Lowe Enterprises. You have your own like entrepreneurial side hustles on the side. What made you go? Yeah, I'm going to help start this fund. I mean, that is like, 
amazing and 8VC is iconic, but what was that jump like? And how did that even come about? I really fell in love with angel investing. And then I wrote a couple of angel texts. Actually, my first ever investment was Sakara Life, which I feel like is like such a big of New course. York person now. We all know Sakara. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. And oh, I actually had dinner with Danielle Dubois last night and our other one of our other really dear friends, which is so fun. And I think they're supposed to come on the podcast, by the way. They're the best. I shouldn't jinx it, but we've been talking. Yeah, yeah. With the we're, not jinx, we're not jinxing it. We're manifesting it together. Oh, yeah. We're manifesting it. Okay. So Danielle will come on at some point soon. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, um, those are, I mean, by the way, those women are the most powerful manifestors. You're like, okay, well, we're going to talk about manifesting. Thank you yeah. for the idea. I will do it. A hundred percent. And so, you know, I'd written a couple of angel checks, in, you know, including that one. And I really fell in love with investing and I got to know Joe and Drew and Jake and Alex, my partners at, you know, at ABC. And we were really excited about the same kind of future. And I really wanted to help. And I kind of saw myself as someone who could like help people cultivate their ideas and build their own businesses as well. And I'm, and that has played out. I really love helping people sort of drill down to what's important about their idea and then operationalize and build like, ex, you know, sort of operationally excellent businesses as well. And so I'm obsessed with investing and I continue to be. And I love, I think when I think about what that process really is, it is helping people become their best versions of themselves actually. Yeah. And a lot of what I spend time doing with founders is like building their, building the life they also want as well. And I think it's really important. Especially in the early stages, people don't realize like it is just about the founder. It's about the human. So much is going to change. And so, yeah, to have that close relationship with those early investors is everything. And it's so rewarding on the other end. So it really is. I'm like, I love it. I'm obsessed with it almost a decade later, obsessed with investing. By the time this episode comes out, one month prior, we have, we'll have released um, an all things angel investing episode. So if people are listening to this now and they're like, huh, maybe that would be cool. Go back and listen to the episode with Brian from Hustle Fund. We talk all about angel investing. Okay. Final question for you. I could obviously keep chatting your ear off, but what is one piece of advice that you would give to any 20-something? Such a good question. We ask this to all our guests. Yeah. For any 20-something. Anyone. Okay. I would tell any 20-something, I think some of, we've touched on this a bit, which is there is never a perfect time to start. There's never a perfect time to start over. And so if there is something you really want to do, something you really want to accomplish or something that is not serving you, make that decision today. Take the first step now. You will look like in a year or, you know, or five years, you're going to look back at this moment that you started. You're never going to be perfectly prepared. There's never going to be the exact right time. You're never going to have the exact right amount of money or the best sort of setup to take that first step. So just take it. So because you, whatever it is, a relationship you're getting into or out of, a business that you're starting, a company you're leaving, whatever it is that you have to do to become whatever it is you see, you know, sort of for yourself, do it immediately. You know, I love it. planning, you can't perfectly, you can't plan and you can't really prepare. Take action. That's yeah. that's a secret to all successful people. One of the quotes I love is like, all you need is 20 seconds of courage. Yep. For anyone listening to, like, I'm just going to add on that. Let's say that thing that comes to mind that Kimmy prompted, like that you want to do, like 20 seconds, just do it. Just do it. Be cringe. Like rip the bandaid, do it. 
And also your first, like, I'm sure if you go back and listen to your first podcast episode, you're like horrifying, hoarding in your chair. Like when yeah. I hear an interview of myself or see a, even a photo of myself, you know, from some certain periods of my life, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe I wore a fascinator at my first wedding, like whatever it was that I did. And yeah. now I'm like, you know what? You were like glorious, right? You were totally. like just trying and figuring things out and nothing's better than, than that. And when I look at those times now and like when, so I'm sure when you like try to listen to your first podcast and what you hear of like between where you are today and where you were then is the capacity for like possibility and excellence. Like you, that you had so much pent up possible in there. And I think it's kind of incredible that. I love it. Well, I also think that's good advice for people. Like if they're feeling scared, think about something that you actually were such a beginner at that you did and look at you years later. Like we all can improve. We all get better. And the only way we do it is by trying and by getting feedback and iterating. I mean, that's a bit of a business lens to it, but you know, I think we can all improve. It's something nice to like that I'm seeing now that I have kids is like all I see in them is possibility. And I think of them as like rookie humans, right? They're like, okay, what are we rookies at? they're rookie humans. Like, and so, but I'm a rookie at something too that I'm working, you know, that I'm trying to work on all the time. And so I'm like, okay, what are you a rookie at? What do you need practice at? And then how do we get better and like achieve more? I love it. I love it. Kimmy, thank you so much for being here. I'm um, so inspired by you and I am so excited about all the gems of advice you gave today. I'm sure everyone is going to take away a lot from this. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.